ReachMD XM157, each hour at this time, presents a special series, Focus on Men's Health. Prostate cancer. If a man lives long enough, it's a sure thing. So how are we treating it, and what's down the road? You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today in studio is Dr. Brian Moran, the director of the Chicago Prostate Cancer Center. Welcome, Brian. Hi, Mike. You got into treating prostate cancer and cancer in general because of what happened to you when you were a teenager. That's right. When I was 17, I, I had testicular cancer, and I was one of the patients that was fortunate enough to receive uh, cisplatinum in the early studies in the late 70s. Tell us about the Chicago prostate cancer. And I have to give the dis- uh, disclaimer also. I was treated there four weeks ago for prostate cancer. This is not an ad for them. This is just what I think a great story. Well, Chicago Prostate Cancer Center is the result of a lot of dedicated people coming together to provide focused health care for a single disease, which is prostate cancer. And the idea came about, we were doing this procedure, radioactive seed implantation of the prostate or brachytherapy as it's known, in the hospital setting throughout the mid-1990s. And we would go to the main operating room. We were using radioactive isotopes that really require the use of a medical physicist who controls the radiation, a radiation oncologist who prescribes the dose of radiation to the prostate gland, and a urologist because it is a urologic procedure. And so you really have three disciplines coming together at one setting for for the purpose of the implant. You also have hospitals nursing staff that is leery of the word radioactive or nuclear material. And what we found was major frustration. The frustration stemmed from dealing with the various staff. The personnel would be rotating in and out of the room. Despite having multiple in-services to educate them, it was just always a new face that just was unfamiliar with what it was we were doing. We would use fluoroscopy at the time and Frequently, fluoroscopy would be in the ortho room, and it wasn't available. And this was a procedure that everything had to come together at once. And if any one particular discipline was either late or the equipment was missing, it was frustrating. And it was frustrating for the patient as well as the staff, the doctors treating him. And so I, with one of my other colleagues, Walter Falkowski, a urologist, came up with the idea of why don't we build a center And that's all we do. Because by this time, in 1995, 96, we were doing a lot of this. I mean, we were doing four to five cases a week. And the idea came up. And at that time, there was a woman by the name of Regina Hertzlinger. She's a Harvard Business School professor who wrote a book called Focused Healthcare in the Marketplace. And one of the chapters in the book dealt with what's called focused factories. And you've heard of the Hernia Institute. I think that's in Toronto and the Texas Heart Hospital and Arizona Heart Clinic. And she quoted some of these models, and I thought to myself, boy, would this be just right up our alley to have a prostate cancer clinic devoted solely to radioactive seed implantation, where the staff was well-versed for the patients, they understood things clearly, and we could enhance our knowledge in a very short period of time because that would be the only thing we were doing. And today, in fact, our motto is, if you do enough of one thing, the obscure becomes the obvious. And it's really been a wonderful thing. By doing this, we created an environment where the community urologist who might do one or two of these procedures can come into the center with his patient and enjoy all of the expertise of a center that does, you know, as many as 30 to 40 cases a week. And plus you have a lot of support for patients. We do. And we have a staff of over 40 people. And 
you know, again, they're, they're solely dedicated to this procedure, so they've just taken it to the next level, all the way from our support group to our research and education department, patient satisfaction surveys. We let our patients educate us, Mike, and tell us how we can do a better job for them. All right, so let's get a little more technical. Let's run the numbers, surgery versus seeds. Whenever you compare treatments today, the old debates were you have to compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges. And in the early literature, the median age difference between surgical patients and radiation patients was about 10 years, the surgical patients being younger. And obviously, you want a better candidate to undergo surgery than radiation. But to date, if you were to really put a panel of experts together, which was done last year by the American Urologic Association, they made a consensus panel with very respectable people. And they concluded that for prostate cancer that's either operable or implantable, there's no appreciable difference demonstrated in the literature that one is superior to the other. So the outcomes regarding cure rates have really been equal. And today, we're no longer really involved in that debate. We're involved in the debate of quality of life issues. Quality of life issues include urinary symptoms, sexual function, erectile dysfunction, as you know, is a huge thing today, whether it's in the media. You can't go a day without hearing an ad for some ED drug or... I can't open my computer without getting 25 emails a day offering me everything. Yeah, I imagine. And so today, there's a great debate. Today's a very interesting time in the management of prostate cancer. And I say that for a few reasons. One is the baby boomers are here. The baby boomers, which were born beginning in 1946, have really matured now so that they're at an age where prostate cancer is frequently diagnosed. And I anticipate that the number of newly diagnosed prostate cancers is going to skyrocket as the baby boomers enters this age group of the 60s and beyond. So the demand is going to go up for treatment of this disease. Furthermore, the detection techniques are becoming much more sophisticated, whether it's PSA or some of the new markers that are out there, EPCA2. Some of these markers are so sp- so good that they're detecting cancer before it's even... For me to diagnose prostate cancer today based on an abnormal digital rectal examination, it's quite unusual. Okay, if you've just joined us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on Reach MDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and I'm speaking with Dr. Brian Moran about his work with brachytherapy for prostate cancer. So if we have outcomes that are similar, okay, and I'm not going to talk about me and how I made my choice, why would a guy choose surgery over seeds? And the surgery is pretty good this day. We got it with the robotic surgery. It, it's much less morbidity. Yeah, it's interesting, and I, I will give a little disclaimer here. I am not a urologic surgeon, although I work closely with them and I read the literature on a daily basis. I would summarize the current environment by saying that the surgical techniques over the last ten years have improved dramatically, such that patients who undergo radical prostatectomy, either open or with a Da Vinci robot, which we're hearing quite a bit of, the results are excellent. And the debate goes on between the open surgeons and the robot surgeons. And to date, one can really only say that there's been no proven enhanced cure rates with one versus the other, although there is less blood loss. There's dramatically less post-operative pain with a robot. And patients tend to be discharged in about half the time that they do when it's an open procedure. So my understanding is the patients that are choosing surgery are ones that just can't face the idea of having any tumor in them. Well, we have what we call three myths that are out there. One, the first myth in my mind is that if you're younger, you should have surgery. There's no data today to show that 
if you're younger, surgery is going to improve your cure rates. There's no data to say that if you have, uh, the second myth is if you have seeds, you can't have surgery. You, you can. That myth arises from the old external beam data, and that is definitely a problem. When patients have had external beam radiation and then they try to remove the prostate, that is fraught with a high incontinence rate, and it's a very difficult operation. But with seeds, the radiation dose is very closely adherent to the prostate, so that the surgeons who I have talked to who have removed implanted prostates say that the patients do pretty well. And that those procedures have been done with the robot. So really, always it does come down to turf battles, doesn't it? Well, I, I think in any field it does. We've tried to be collegial, and I think we have a very good working relationship with our surgeons. I think when you really come down to it, the right reason to have surgery, it's not unlike a woman with ductal carcinoma in situ of the breast. It's really a preference. It's a feel. I spoke to a patient yesterday, and in fact, I had one today who said, you know, Doc, I just really need to know that it's out. In my heart and in my mind, I'll feel better if I know my prostate was out and I look down and I see a scar and say, yes, it's out. Those are patients I encourage to have surgery because we never try to sell our treatment. Talking about sell and cost is another important factor, which you talked about earlier, and I'd like you to tell us about this patient. The cost of this procedure as compared to the cost of surgery. Well, it's definitely, I mean, depending on where you go, uh, a recent paper was just written looking at the various costs of treatment options for prostate cancer. And there are quite a few of them. I can just give you, there's open surgery where you make an incision and remove the prostate. There's laparoscopic surgery to remove the prostate. There's robot surgery, which is a form of laparoscopic surgery. There's brachytherapy, both low-dose rate brachytherapy, which we do, and high-dose rate brachytherapy. There's external beam radiation therapy, or IMRT, IGRT. Those are different ways of delivering it. Cryotherapy. There's proton beam therapy, which is coming into vogue around the country at a few centers. And basically, this is a very interesting patient. He was an insurance actuarial by trade who did not have insurance. And he came in with the idea that he was shopping for what he thought was the best treatment that would give him at least an equal cure rate with the lowest risk of side effects and the lowest cost because he was consumer driven. I mean, this was a man, he was paying for it. So he was shopping and he had been to some very prestigious institutions and had been given a a variety of price estimates for all the various treatment options. And uh, his conclusion was was very simple. You know, he said, why would I do anything else? Because Seeds did offer him the lowest price, at least at our center. By about what factor compared to surgery? Half? Compared to surgery, it was about a third. A third? Yeah. I do have to say that I had seeds in at 6.30 in the morning, and I was having breakfast with my wife in a restaurant at 10.30. And I think what you're addressing there is direct and indirect costs. A direct cost would be something that's related specifically to the procedure and at the time of the procedure. An indirect cost, obviously relates to unexpected complications. Time away from work. Time away from work, things like this. So this was a very interesting, you know, and again, we spoke earlier about the perfect storm, which I describe as the baby boomers on one horizon, a healthcare system that's struggling to pay for it on the other horizon, and ever-evolving technology that's just getting so good and so sophisticated, but it costs money. And they're all pulling at each other, and sooner or later, we as a medical society, I think, are going to need to really be honest with each other and and confront these turf battles and say, what's the best thing for the patient? Well, right. And I think what I'm hearing from you, the key is that we need to give our patients the facts, not the myths, and let them make decisions for themselves. Right. And and the right decision is the one the patient's most comfortable with. I try to be politically correct, but we, we have seen some really 
crazy situations out there, patients being railroaded into treatments that really are not necessary. Of 10,000 patients in our database, we looked at the cause-specific mortality. And what we found was that overall, the the cause-specific mortality in our cohort of patients with prostate cancer was 0.7% death from prostate cancer. And that's, that's even the bad, the bad tumors included. And what we found was that the cardiac risk was 27%, followed by lung cancer, followed by other tumors, brain tumors. And, and we tell our patients, prostate healthy is heart healthy. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for being our guest today and telling us about the Chicago Prostate Cancer Treatment Center. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMDXM is here for you, the health professionals who care for your patients. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library, and we thank you for listening. Listen all month as ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals, presents a special series, Focus on Men's Health.